Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, hello, Zoom edition. We're back. Hi. How's it going? Not under the best circumstances. No, uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, I've uh, obviously to be selfish and make this all about me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I, I have COVID. I've had it for uh, a week or so. Uh, it's it's been uh, not brutal, but not great. I'm on the back end of it, I think, but uh, we wanted to podcast anyway uh, to give our each of us kind of an opportunity to speak on it and obviously cover it on the podcast ourselves. Uh, but yeah, we're here. Uh, well, this will be my flu game, Kev. You ready to uh, be the guy who drags me off the court at the end? Was it Scotty Pippen who did that? I can't remember. I honestly don't know. Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen. Let's do All it. Right. I can't remember the image. So what we are alluding to is that Suns owner Robert Sarver was suspended one year. The investigation finally came down. Are you going to point at the uh, story that came up a couple of days ago? The uh, I believe this the ex-employee who was tweeting about, hey, what's going on with the investigation? There's lots of people who came forward with really disturbing stuff and had to relive all this stuff. The timing of it. Who who can say? Who can say, Kevin, the timing there? And then the stories being made about that. Who can say? Anyway, the the verdict comes down. It's a year. It's $10 million. The $10 million is the maximum allowed by the NBA Constitution for the punishment for Sarver. And uh, basically, Kevin, to, to quickly summarize before handing it off to you, you went through the entire 42-page report, kind of broke down the key points from it on ArizonaSports.com and went into it. But essentially what the league found is that they found a lot of what Baxter Holmes found in his story as well. And I'll find the exact wording here essentially in in a second. But among the key findings, according to the league, Mr. Sarver on at least five occasions during his tenure with the Suns Mercury organization repeated the N-word when recounting the statements of others. Mr. Sarver engaged in instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees made many sex related comments in the workplace made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical conduct towards male employees mr sarver engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees including by yelling and cursing at them and then after that as reflected in the report mr sarver informed the investigators of his personal and professional efforts to promote diversity equity and inclusion including hiring practices at the Suns Mercury organization and contributions to social and racial justice causes. The investigation made no finding that Mr. Sarver's workplace misconduct was motivated by racial or gender-based animus. And that last sentence is the one that really caught a lot of people off guard, Kevin. And to go even one step further, I dug into the report a little bit myself and found that exact sentence. Uh, But prior to that sentence in the report, it says, while it is difficult to identify with precision what motivated Sarver's workplace behavior described in this report, certain patterns emerge from witness accounts. And then it goes into more of just what we said. But it's one of these uh, 
patterns was that Sarver's sense of humor was sophomoric and inappropriate for the workplace. And to treat this as if Sarver is just being juvenile and the way that I view it is it's just the league looking at it and just being like, oh, that's just Bob being Bob. And for them to use that kind of language and avoid the other kind of language, I I don't even... It's important to highlight the fact that they did that, Kevin, but it's also just important to highlight the fact that that matters, but only to a certain extent. And really what matters is all of the examples that are in this report and the findings that they had from the 320 people that they spoke with and that it it, it wasn't, it was enough for him to not own the team anymore. And, and you can go through fireable offenses and, and all this kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, that this was more than enough uh, to have someone not represent one of your franchises anymore. And the league, for whatever reason, decided that they want this guy to continue to represent one of their biggest uh, organizations currently and one of their most historic organizations. And that decision in terms of just representation befuddles me, but just in terms of the legality and in terms of just finding the right thing to do here in terms of if someone deserves to be fired or not. Uh, I think the answer is pretty clear cut here in the NBA missed. Yeah, I think the, and his lawyers put out a statement. He had put out a statement where he basically said, I didn't find that everything was accurate in the report, but I apologize and whatnot. And I'm sorry for hurting people. Um, to me, the, the whole thing about intent or what his motivations for doing the things, again, is the key line there. And, and honestly, like that's a, that's a discussion for like someone smarter than us, whether from a legal perspective, what's racially motivated um, or what's philosophically, like what makes a person racist or misogynistic, right? Like I, I don't want to have that conversation because I'm not smart enough to have it. But I think my takeaway from reading 43 pages of it is if there are too many instances of making people feel uncomfortable uh, from any of those perspectives, whether they're black people, coaches, um, male employees, female employees, um, I, I just don't understand where the line you cross is where you say this guy should be at, right? Like if you are done doing something and a lot of these instances in the investigation, in the report were here, it is laid out. Someone told Robert Sarver, Hey, you can't say the N word. Hey, you can't say that you made this woman cry and feel bad. She doesn't like working here. And many of the instances where he did it again, uh, especially with the N word thing, or in the cases of some of the um, instances with women, he would say, well, you misjudged my judgment and, and uh, to one specific witness who said you shouldn't have done that and, and made someone feel bad. So I, I don't know where the line is then where, you know, you think a person is not treating people well, basically. Um, and I don't know where the firing line, I don't know what firing is in as an NBA owner versus like you or me. But to me, it's just when you have this many instances and I can go into the report and I'll go control F this right now. 
and the word instances shows up so much and there are lists of different sections of different types of demeaning people or saying something, then it's a trend. So that's what I don't understand about the report. And I think, I guess, going back to the Donald Sterling case, like what he said was very, I guess not very different, but it was different in that he basically said something like associating with a black person was bad, which is pretty racist. Um, there, there wasn't something like that, I guess, but I just think from a workplace perspective, it, it doesn't matter when you make that many people feel bad. So just reading that report, I think that's what I kind of came away with where it wasn't, you know, certain people, a couple people who were fired. Um, it was also culturally accepted. Some of the things he did, other people were doing it. Um, and lots of those people aren't there anymore. And the Suns put out a statement that said they're trying to change um, at um, the request of the NBA too. And they're trying to get the culture right there. And hopefully they're doing it and continuing to change things and get better. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where to start in, as far as a conversation for like, what makes you say what's different than Donald Sterling here other than just that, I guess, which is, you know, a lot more times where he uh, demeaned people. Yeah, and, and that's where it gets dangerous in terms of just treating Sterling like that's it. There's so few examples where Sterling gets treated as like a bar or a threshold that he has to reach. And who's yeah. to say, I, I think it, it gets difficult to kind of say if he met the threshold, if he exceeded what Sterling did. I, I, I don't really want to get into that kind of conversation, but I think it was important what you said in terms of we're not the people to sit here and say whether it reaches reaches those thresholds you talked about in terms of saying whether what he did was racist or misogynistic but at the same time, <laughs> like what you just said, like there's a couple of times where you read some of these things in here and you're like, man, that's racist. Like, it's just, you can't really find any other way of going around it. Uh, the Washington post, Ben Golliver went through the report and kind of tallied up a list of examples. Cause we don't want to just talk around these things. We just want to flat out present to you guys what was found in the investigation. So uh, Golliver wrote the NBA's Robert Sarver investigation found that he talked about a sexual sexual act in condoms at all employee meetings, told a female employee, you've never seen anything this big while preparing to take a shower at a team facility. He emailed pornography to a small group of male employees, dropped his underwear, quote, unnecessarily, unquote, while a male employee was performing a fitness check on him, danced, quote, pelvis to pelvis, unquote, with male employee at a holiday party, he asked a female employee if she got, quote unquote, an upgrade and then told a pregnant employee that she couldn't continue an assignment because her, quote unquote, baby needs their mom, not their father. There was also another one in there, Kevin, where he looked up and down to a woman who was pregnant and talked about her uh, body, come how it was going to look after the fact after she had her baby, uh, just a, a lot of just really disturbing and, and horrific stuff within the organization. Uh, and, and I say that just kind of within the organization, because this impacts how the Suns as an organization function going forward. It impacts how Suns employees within work, working within the organization go forward now. And you just really feel for, I feel so terrible for the employees who came forward and now just kind of have to 
I'm sure walk around the office, like looking over their shoulder now and, and are just concerned. And then you have to kind of feel that way with all the stories that Baxter Holmes kind of came forward with and just this fear of going to HR and these kinds of things. And just how a lot of people came forward with a lot of stories and it wasn't enough for them to see, to see the change in terms of what they were looking for, which what a lot of people were looking for, which was that Roberts Arberton no longer on the team with it starting at the top and then hopefully seeing change from there. It is not going to change with change. It is not going to start with change at, at the top. It, it is going to be for a year. And you can sit here and say like Roberts Arbor is going to go through all these programs and he's going to change. But from, from a messaging standpoint, it's, it's hard to treat it like that. And, and my goodness, Kevin, I know this is a different kind of example, but we go through here with, with the, the things like the N-word examples and just how Sarver had to be told, hey, you can't do that. And it, this is another one where, where he's now being told, it, albeit in a much more public manner, hey, you can't do that. How are we going to believe that this guy is going to change after he refused to change uh, as this investigation uh, showed us? And I, I guess that's going to be a long year. Um, for this organization, even without him, like they're going to have to face some things. I'm sure they've already started working on it. You would hope. Um, I I think on the agenda, obviously Baxter Holmes tweeted this out. First thing is um, he, he's actually going to work still with the NBA and appoint an interim, I guess, governor of the team. Um, I have no clue if that would be someone internally from business perspective, or if they bring in someone completely independent, don't know. Um, and he really can't be around the team, can't interact, can't show up to any NBA facility, office, whatever. So he's pretty much on the sidelines. Um, people are going to ask and we'll get onto kind of the, what happens next thing here. Yeah. Uh, What is he still potentially not going to be the son's owner, whether that's sooner or later, um, uh, John Gambadoro kind of laid it out on air for us after doing some research. And he said that there's, he said there's likely a clause in the kind of contract between all the sons as owners, um, that basically says like, you can get out from your majority owner. Is it called majority? Even if he's not 50%, I don't know, but he has the largest share as a single owner. Um, and so I think the Suns legacy partners did put out a statement where they kind of said Robert's changing and that kind of thing. So I, I wouldn't expect that the minority owners in at like the majority of them don't feel like Sarver needs to go right now, but that can change. And Gambo said like once sponsors start falling off, um, if, if that does happen, that could change their minds. If the money is, um, changing because of this situation because he's associated with the team that can change um jam najafi was the guy who if you remember when this information first dropped he kind of put out a separate statement from most of the other sons owners saying like they need to investigate kind of an anti-robert sarver message um gambo says he's been trying to buy the majority share of the team for a while now i don't know how long that's been so he's a name to remember um as far as like all right there's at least one person here who's not putting his faith and backing behind robert sarver and all this 
Um, and I believe he's Jam Najafi's number two as far as ownership share of all the ownership groups. So that's yeah. kind of important to know. Um, so, you know, there could be that. And then when you get into public, does Chris Paul say anything? Does Devin Booker say anything? I think LeBron James is an important part of this because, um, by the way, I believe his agent was referenced in the findings um, with Earl Watson. Rich Paul was his agent. Rich Paul was Eric Bledsoe's agent. You know hold that whole story. Um, and ESPN wrote about it like, I don't know, six, eight months ago about just their fallout and how Watson got fired and Sarver was threatening them. And there were racial undertones believed to be in that. Now the investigation didn't find that the racial undertones were real in that case. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, when you have enough evidence of coaches, ex players, um, saying that there were things that they took as racial, um, said by the guy, then that's, that's a red flag there. Um, regardless of what the investigation found. Now, I guess I'm going in off in this tangent just to say that I think the powers that be in the NBA, other owners too, um, could speak out. And this becomes more than just one year suspension. But I, I obviously don't know what's bubbling underneath the surface right now. Yeah, that's the most important thing to outline is that this isn't over. Uh, so there's three different elements let's start with the most uh boring one which is that what the nba needs to change from this going forward i think that's really important for us to just not brush over here because the part that really bothered me that there's a lot of parts of this report that will bother you when you read through it of course but one part really bothered me is that uh, i read through it already but it, it says while it is difficult to identify with precision what motivated sarver's workplace behavior described in this report again identify with precision what motivated Sarver's workplace behavior. I don't understand why that has to matter, what motivated it entirely. Um, That is where, again, we get into legal semantics and just the legality of everything and just how you have to find, yeah, you have to find what you're looking for there in in terms of getting the result that we're, we're talking about here. But at the same time, the behavior is what should matter, not what motivated the behavior. The behavior should be enough. So whatever in their process allowed for, and again, maybe this is bureaucratic, maybe it just goes beyond the league and it's just to that kind of point in the, and we're talking about the system and we're, we're not going to go that far. But I, if there's any way for the league to kind of change how they go about something like this and just, again, motivated Sarver's workplace behavior, it's just the behavior. It doesn't motivate it. Like I, it, it, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but the behavior is is enough a, a, as it is. And, and that should be what's important here. So the league has to correct their process here going forward. And it looks like uh, the athletic Sam Amick kind of re- went into that a bit on the athletic and, and wrote uh, what league wide change needs to follow. And I think that's we shouldn't just brush that to the side. And, and now it's it's owners. And, and that's the second part, Kevin, the, the, the other sons, minority owners here. And then it's the players as well. And then obviously the coaches. And just because this thing is is not over and, and it's just where it goes from here. And and the minority owners, I mean, you can say Jean Najafi was just going to Suns games uh, with his friend Colin Kaepernick and just enjoying a Suns game in the middle of courtside seats, Kevin. Or you could say that he was making a message and, and, and kind of showing a message by going to those games with Colin Kaepernick, who is obviously very vocal uh, in, in these spaces. So 
Uh, he has been someone who has been uh, percolating behind the scenes for sure in the last year, as Gambo's report spoke to, and it is someone who you have to keep an eye on during this whole process and, and what the Suns look for in this. And I think that's the interesting part, Kevin, is if the Suns owners themselves feel it is it is on them now to shift the organization in a better direction without him. And, and if they feel like that is what they need to do, it's it's a matter of them agreeing to that first. And if they agree to that, it's like, okay, well then what do they do about it going forward? And, and that is what uh, Gambadoro is, is, is reporting. And then of course, if the players are vocal and they just completely do not support this. And then that's where you get to Chris Paul. That's where you get to Devin Booker. All of them it said what they needed to say before on this, which was that we're looking forward into the investigation, disturbing stuff being said, all that kind of stuff. But, now that the investigation has concluded, will they be vocal enough? Will they be showing enough action to the point where more can be done? Because that's Kevin, I, I, where I can pass it back to you is it's, I cannot emphasize enough, like how much power the players have. Uh, but as, as Zach Lowe pointed out uh, on ESPN today, like it shouldn't have to come down to the fact that the players have to do something, but the league has now put them in the position and <clears throat> the Suns minority owners might put them in that position too. I, I mean, media day is two weeks away. So we might not even the Suns owners, minority owners might not even be able to act that quickly. But the fact that the, it, it's on the players now is ridiculous, but it is crucial to highlight how much power that they have in, in this type of moment that they're going to have, because it's going to be a moment. Yeah, and, and Burns and Gambo, when I was driving home to talk to you, we're kind of talking about like it's not ideal that the players have to be involved, but like the Mercury are involved in this too. It's the same organization. Um, and for super powerful people like Diana Taurasi, who has had to deal with the Brittany Griner situation already this whole offseason, like, and, and now. And the whole season, I mean, it, it sucks that it's being put on their plate. Um, but also it's like, does Sarver have a good relationship with her, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, um, where there are personal, you know, they have no reason to dislike the guy. I don't know. Um, and, and that's why to me, when I go back and think in my head, like who's going to be the first, like Jamal Crawford said something, Jay Crowder kind of tweeted but when we talk about important people in basketball, who's after Adam Silver, LeBron James? Um, it, it doesn't seem right that the Los Angeles Lakers guy has to be in the top of my list of people who could maybe make a difference. But he is just because his friend Rich Paul was involved in that um, in dealing with Robert Sarver. So that's kind of where my mind's going. And yeah, it, it's not fair. It's on the players, but it might come down to that. And like I said, I, I'm not super confident the minority owners right now are feeling um, super anti-Robert Sarver just based on the messaging we got through a couple of emailed statements. Yeah, and this is where you kind of retrace your steps, right, and go back to when this all originally dropped and who distanced themselves, who didn't. It was it was really, Kevin, Do you, you, it wasn't anyone else, right? It was just Najafi at the time. That, that was pretty much it. I believe there were a couple more. Um, Gambo said there were two other ownership groups left off the message, the statement of support when this all came down. So there, if you remember, there was a 
statement sent through the Suns ownership groups that was maybe 12 or 13 owners if I'm I might be wrong on the numbers exactly but who were saying we support the investigation but also we support Sarver and all this and uh, there were a couple guys who were not on that um, and then there was Jam Najafi who put out his own statement that was kind of um, like yeah obviously the other side there yeah it, it goes really low on the list Kevin in terms of um, what comes from this and, and the NBA's decision and the effects of it and, and all that kind of stuff but obviously at the top just like what what's right and what deserves to be done and all that but what the NBA has ensured that is that this story is not going to go away anytime soon this is going to be in the news cycle for at least a calendar year now, guaranteed a year, a year plus now. And then beyond that, of course, it's, it's going to be over them uh, for a while now. And, and we'll see how much changes from, from now to then we'll, we'll see how much goes on. Maybe Robert Sarver won't be owning the Suns by then. And, and that's something as a possibility we had to discuss and got into, but the, the league was the first step here uh, and, and they did not, uh, get there, but there are other avenues that we talked about there and, and, and we hit on anything else that you wanted to say before we head out? No, I mean, it, it's just changed. I guess there would have been the same questions, not the same questions, but questions about the investigation, but it's changed media day, which is September 26th. Correct. Um, which I believe is a Monday and that's going to be a whole lot of non-basketball stuff. So get prepared for that. My man. Yay, my favorite thing. Love it. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back then. Shoot, I, I, I guess next week we will kind of preview the season or, or not really the season, but just key talking points going into media day, which, of course, will be more on, on the Robert Sarver front. Uh, we didn't mention this, but there wasn't really anything to mention. Jay Crowder tweeted, wow, with the uh, brain uh, exploding emoji kind of thing. Um, uh, Jamal Crawford tweeted a few things, but outside of that, no player social media reactions or anything like that to kind of get into. Uh, maybe there's more of that to get into next week. Uh, who knows? But yeah, we're back, buddy. Uh, the season has kind of officially started now, uh, unofficially two weeks before media day, but we're back into it. We'll be back every week here for gosh, whatever it is, nine, 10 months, eight months, seven months, however long the season goes, we'll be here and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you then.